Because I know there's a few of you who are new here this morning, let me just explain what we do with God of the Movies. In God of the Movies, we use a movie as kind of the backdrop to the message. We believe that God speaks most clearly, most authoritatively through the Bible, and you're going to see that even reflected in this message this morning, but, but we also believe that God can speak through art, he can speak through culture, he can speak through creation, through a lot of different things. And if, we're, if we're, we have eyes to see, if we can pay attention, um, often God has some amazing messages um, that he can speak, and we believe that he can speak um, through this movie, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. So uh, one of the joys of doing this series, uh, God in the Movies, is that for a week I get to immerse myself in the subject matter of the movie that I'm doing. Now, sometimes that can be a little dark. Um, one of the sermons that I, I did early on in the life of the river was the movie Crash. And um, if you've ever seen that movie, you know that it has some dark themes and there's racism in it. And in um, um, those weeks, you know, to immerse yourself in that is a bit, bit challenging. It's a bit daunting and sometimes a bit depressing. Uh, other movies that, that were a bit challenging over the years were movies like Doubt, right, and The Dark Knight. But this last week, I got to live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And I have to tell you, it, it was wonderful. Uh, I got to spend some quality time with probably the most beloved children's television host of all times. Um, I read um, an entire biography on him. I watched a ton of YouTube. I read various articles. I watched uh, some old programs. I listened to an interview by his wife, Joanne. And, uh, and honestly, I, I can tell you this. Um, I've never spent a week in which I've had uh, so many tears in my eyes uh, at different moments, just watching the love that, that emanated from this, this man, Fred Rogers. Actually, um, on Monday afternoon, I, I snuck out to see the... Um, the movie on Fred Rogers entitled uh, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is the Tom Hanks movie. Some of you may have seen it. Um, and uh, I, I did. It was, it was wonderful. It's worth your time if you have, if you have some time this week. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I was there and I was sitting in the movie theater and this old crotchety guy comes in and he sits about three seats away from me. The, the movie theater is not full because it's the middle of the day. And it's dark, he's there late, and he, he comes in, he drops his, some of his popcorn, and he just lets out some expletives, you know, that, that you're like, oh, okay, um, hopefully you know that this, you know, this isn't the latest James Bond movie, and that this might be a little bit different, right? And again, it just seemed like a real crotchety guy. Anyway, I'm watching the film, and there's this moment in the film that where it's just, it's so beautiful, and it recounts how Fred Rogers prays for everybody by name, all the people on his list, by name, every every day, and, and it's, it's beautiful, and I've, of course, I've got tears coming down my, my cheeks, I'm always crying in the movies, and I look over at this guy, and he's just weeping, just weeping, this old crotchety guy, and I thought, Fred Rogers, you've done it again, you've done it again. Let me start this morning uh, with just a few questions. Um, first of all, first question, which I ask probably every week, how many of you have seen this movie? Just physically raise your hand. Okay, good. Um, about half of you, I know what some of you were thinking. You were thinking, ah, oh, documentary about a man who talks to children. Boring, right? Uh, but let me tell you, it's worth your time. And um, so just, just take the time out, because, I mean, it'll be out 
on YouTube before too long and, and um, Netflix and whatnot. Uh, it's absolutely worth watching, even just to understand some of the, the children's programming maybe that your children are watching uh, these days. Uh, second question, what was your favorite television show, children's television show growing up? All right? Take a minute, just turn to the person beside you and share with them what was your favorite children's show that you look forward to watching when you got home from school? Um, All right. Now, we're in church, so, you know, probably most of you are, you know, defaulting to Mr. Dress Up and, and that kind of thing. Um, just shout out a few names. Friendly Giant. Friendly Giant. Right. Which one? Mr. Dress Up was amazing. The Flintstones. The Flintstones. Okay, Fred, how did I know that was your favorite? That just makes sense. Anybody else? Gilligan's Island, Hogan Heroes, yeah, but they're not really children's shows, really. All right, okay, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> you need to know that whatever show was your favorite, Fred Rogers inevitably, inevitably had a huge influence on it. He, he revolutionized the way in which children's programming was done in North America, um, he was one of the pioneers. When he first got into television, he realized that most of children's programming, including cartoons, were basically vaudeville humor done for children. It was the you know, pie-in-the-face kind of stuff, right? He realized that TV was an enormous opportunity to educate children and, and to help them process their feelings about the world. Fred Rogers had a huge influence on shows like The Friendly Giant, Mr. Dressup, Sesame Street, Captain Kangaroo, and The Reading Rainbow. He actually even spent a couple of years in Toronto with the CBC doing, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in Canada. Um, again, maybe some things that you, you don't know. All right, final question they want to ask you this morning. Um, as a child, who was the person in your life that most resembled Fred Rogers. And what I mean by that is, who was the person with whom you could genuinely share your feelings, right, as a child, with whom you, you felt safe? And just, just think about that for a few moments. Um, and, and, and let me just say this, if you had someone like that, your mom, your dad, an uncle, an aunt, your grandparent, a neighbor, you need to give thanks. You need to give thanks because there are so many people who didn't have that in their lives. And by the way, this was quite common because think about the dynamic of when Fred Rogers first got started in this kind of programming. You had you know, thousands and thousands of World War II vets that were coming back from the Second World War and they were starting families and they had been traumatized by the war. You know, for those of you, Martin, you could, you could talk all day about this, about you've been through a war experience. What do you tend to do with your feelings? You stuff them down inside. What's a feeling, right? Because the moment you, you start feeling stuff, oh my, you can go to some, some difficult places. And so a lot of these dads especially didn't know how to talk to their kids. They didn't know how to, you know, get them to express their feelings to make them feel safe. Mr. Rogers was someone for whom so many kids felt like they could express themselves, right? 
And he was, he was a master at just listening to them, about learning to be quiet around them and learning, learning that, you know, to make them feel like their feelings counted, that they, that they mattered. And, uh, and he took, and you need to know, he took this as an enormous responsibility. Um, this is why he was so beloved. This is why kids have such reactions to him, because they felt like he might be the one and only safe person in their lives. All right, a, cu- a few quick facts about Fred Rogers, um, beyond what John gave you this morning. Um, he was born on March 20, 1928, in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which is just a kind of a, a bedroom community, uh, a wealthy bedroom community, um, just outside of Pittsburgh. Um, his parents were, were very well-to-do, but also very generous and giving when it came to the community. They were known for their charity work. Um, they were a family of faith. Uh, Fred was the only child until, until he was about 12 years old when his parents adopted a sister for him. Um, he was a chubby kid um, early on. That's why later on in life, he used to keep his weight exclusively to 143. And uh, he even said that that represented, I love you, because one is for one, I, four for love, you, three, you, I love you. So 143. Um, he, he had a bit of a hard time growing up. By the time he reached high school, uh, some of the bullying in his life had calmed down, and he ended up graduating as the most likely to succeed student from the high school there in Latrobe. He learned to play the piano early in life, age five. You've already learned that. And he became an accomplished musician. He graduated magna cum laude from Rollins College in Florida in 1951 with a degree in music composition and went on to compose all, all the music, essentially, that is associated with the show. That's the genius of, of Fred Rogers. He was a Presbyterian minister, an ordained Presbyterian minister. And actually, he was ordained as an evangelist. And this was quite controversial in its day because at first the presbytery that he, he belonged to, they didn't want to ordain him to this work because they thought this, this is too unconventional. This isn't real church work until um, a seminary professor actually intervened and said, think about this, guys. Think about the impact that this guy could have literally on millions of kids. And, and they relented, thankfully, and, uh, and he got to do that work. So he did all of this work, this work that you saw on television as an ordained minister. All right? That's why at the root of what he does is, is his faith. Uh, you learned he was a vegetarian, um, and he was a vegetarian. Why? Because he said he couldn't eat anything that had a mother. And uh, he was that gentle-hearted, uh, colorblind, and as you already know, his faith, his faith meant a lot to him. And just to underline this, there's, there's one story. Um, a young girl named Amy Medler became a Christian at, at age six. And she set out to evangelize everybody she cared for. And one of the names at the top of her list was Fred Rogers because she met him every day through the television. And, um, and so she wrote this, this letter, right, um, to make sure uh, that, he, that Fred Rogers was going to heaven, right? Within weeks, she received a lengthy response from a man who personally answered every piece of fan mail he received, and he received a ton, all right? This is what he wrote to little Amy. He wrote, you told me <clears throat> that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. It means a lot to me to know that, and I appreciate the scripture verse that you sent. I'm an ordained Presbyterian minister, and I want you to know that Jesus is important to me too. I hope 
that God's love and peace come through my work on Mr.'s, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Um, what was so unique about this man is that he never forgot what it was like to be a child. Have a look at this clip. Okay, um, this isn't just a biography we're doing up here this morning. This is a sermon. And that's why we can't say um, what the bi biography that I read this week says, namely, um, that we should be more like Fred. Now, maybe you're thinking this morning, we probably should be more like Fred, and I don't disagree with you. But um, if I structured the sermon that way, there would be one person who would be horrified. You know who that is? Fred Rogers. <laughs> like the Apostle John, he would say, I serve one whose sandals I am not fit to untie. So don't make this about me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not me. That being said, I want to say this. Um, sometimes a human life comes along that illustrates and illuminates what it means, what, or at least what it ought to look like for a human being to be a follower of Jesus. It's like they and their lives become, become certain passages of Scripture come alive. That They become living illustrations of, of how someone ought to follow Jesus in certain areas of their lives. Uh, people like Mother Teresa come to mind when it comes to compassion. Henry Nouwen when it comes to community. C.S. Lewis when it comes to joy and, and a thoughtful faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer when it comes to resilience, um, Francis of Assisi when it comes to prayer, and of course there are so, so many others that I could mention. There have been so many saints over the centuries. Friends, Fred Rogers is one of these. He's one of these kinds of, of treasures. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, let me give this morning three passages in the Bible that Fred's life helps us understand and the first is this, let the little children come to me. Let the little children come to me. In Matthew 18, we read this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. For Jesus, there was something about being childlike that uniquely qualified people to be in the community that he was forming. Being like a child was, was not a negative to Jesus, as it was for so many others, but actually a, a prerequisite to understanding the mystery of God in participating in his work. How does the text go? Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That's radical stuff. There's another story about which Jesus says the same thing, and I want to read it for you. And, it, and you, know, you need to understand, it starts with Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples, right? And he sends them out and to all different corners of, of Israel, and extraordinary things happen in ministry for them. 
Thanks, Byron. Extraordinary things happen for them in ministry. And, uh, and they come back, and they're just so excited, and they're so full of, of, of Jesus. You wouldn't be amazed at what the Holy Spirit did here and the Holy Spirit did there. And then Jesus says this. He says, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Did you catch what Jesus said here? He says, I praise you, Father, that you have hidden these things, the ways of God, the ways of the kingdom from the wise and the learned, and revealed them to little children. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that God, the maker of the universe, the maker of you and me, has sovereignly chosen to reveal the way of his way of life, his kingdom, in such a way that being a child or cultivating childlikeness is an advantage to entering into it. See, and Fred Rogers, he understood this. He understood that children don't overcomplicate things. First of all, they, they believe with reckless confidence, right? And so when Fred Rogers looked into the camera and he said, you are special and I love you. You know, they're like, I believe him, right? As adults, we can become so cynical about this. Even now, you know, maybe this happened for you. Um, when maybe you watch some of this and you, and you see him talking very slowly and saying, you know, I love you. And you're thinking, it's over the top, right? But kids, for the kids, it was, they, they heard what he said. They received what he said. They lived in what he said, right? When he said that we ought to, to, to make being kind a way of life, they believed him and they did what he, he told them to do. When he said this, even though no human being is perfect, we always have a chance to bring what's unique about us to life in a redeeming way. They believed him. By the way, do you know where all of these principles come from? The Bible, right? In all these moments, think about this. Fred was preaching. He was preaching the kingdom of God. And, and, and children believed what he preached. And, and, and in some of the letters that he received, you can really see that these children acted upon what he was preaching. They not only became um, listeners or hearers of the word, they became doers of the word as well. And this sort of ties into the second point Fred knew that children were good followers. This is why he always modeled what he taught. Um, have a look at this clip from the, from the film. He just started singing, and uh, he just followed. He just entered in. He didn't, you know, well, I didn't get the music in advance, right? Like, as our adults would do. We, we're always like, oh, well, how do we do that, right? What, what, what's it going to look like? He just followed, and, 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 and did what Mr. Rogers was doing. By the way, this is what made Jesus' teaching so powerful. He taught his disciples. He envisioned them with what the kingdom was supposed to look like. Then he showed them how, and then he invited them to do the same. It was a very simple way of teaching. How do you pray? Well, Jesus explained how you pray. And then he says, and he gave him a prayer to pray. And then he said, okay, now pray every day. 
how do you serve? Well, Jesus explained to them. He showed them. He said, you, you, it's like getting down on your hands and knees. It's becoming like a servant. It's like washing the feet of, of other people. And now go and do likewise. And they did. Ultimately, um, how much can you trust God? Well, Jesus explained and he demonstrated on the cross that you can trust God this much. And his disciples, they learned and they followed. This is why becoming a Christian is not just, it's not just some verbal transaction. It's, it's, it's not um, just hearing Jesus, but it's learning to be like Jesus. And children are good at it. And that's why Jesus says, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you have to learn to become like a child. You have to learn to listen and to follow. All right, second thing. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Jesus said, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Um, Fred Rogers, was, he was a pioneer um, because um, he, he walked his talk. Um, he, he embraced the truth about a lot of things, but he, he didn't just embrace them, he, he lived them. Um, when it came to children, he understood that as much as our impulse as parents is to protect our children from the big bad world, he understood that there are times when we have to have hard conversations about the pain of the world. We have to speak the truth in love, which is a biblical imperative. When John F. Kennedy was killed, which, um, for those of you who lived through it, was, was an incredibly traumatic experience for the entire nation, um, indeed around the world, he realized that kids would be traumatized too. Um, and, and so on his show, he said, have you ever heard the word assassination lately? And then he explained it to kids. He, he had the conversation that many people and parents across the planet um, wanted to have with their kids, but they weren't quite sure how. And so he demonstrated it. He realized that as much as we need to protect our children from, from the stuff that happens in the world daily, we can't. And what's more... Um, they're not ignorant. Children pick up on things. They, they, they listen to what adults are talking about. And they, they absorb, they're absorbed in it. And, and when you're anxious, they become anxious, right? And so he was willing to have some of these hard conversations. Um, have a look at what I think is just an amazing clip. By the way, agamaga was their language for saying I love you to each other. In case you're wondering... Um, Extraordinary, right? I don't think um, any one of us can actually fully understand how groundbreaking that was. Um, because, um, you know, we live in the present-day world, but, but it wasn't just um, in this area, right? It was in all kinds of different areas. Um, you, you know, can I say this for all you parents out there? Um, you, you can't protect your kids from everything in the world. Um, things will just leak into your life. And um, 
for example, I mean, there's a lot of people, of course, this week talking about what happened um, with the airliner being shot down and um, all the Canadians that died. Uh, Rick Mast, who's going to preach actually at the beginning of February, Crazy Rich, Rich Asians here. Um, he is a chaplain at the U of A and also at Grant McEwen. And he asked for prayer this week through our pastoral circles because uh, just of the overwhelming amount of grief and uh, the overwhelming number of people. I, I believe 13 people died from across both campuses. Uh, and it's just, of course, heartbreaking. And, and, our, and our kids, they're going to pick up on these things. Our children pick up on sadness and our grief. And we have to be strong enough to have those conversations. Um, Fred Rogers understood that we need to equip our children for this world. And so let me encourage you uh, to do that. Um, to listen to your children, to ask them um, sometimes the hard questions. Sometimes they won't want to talk about it, but sometimes they will. And being a good parent is not going, shh, don't, let's not ever talking about anything bad. You know, because kids, go, I mean, nowadays they go through divorce, they go through all kinds of things. And talking is so important. Speak the truth in love. And this is not just about our children, it's about us, Right? I mean, there, there are folks here this morning that, that maybe you need to have a hard conversation in your life with, a, with a, a coworker, with your spouse, with a friend. And if the truth be told, you're avoiding it. You, you don't want to step on anyone's toes. You, you don't want to be uncomfortable or make the other person uh, feel uncomfortable. But remember what Jesus said. It's only the truth that will set you free. You know, one of the truths that Fred Rogers wasn't shy about articulating is the fact that according to Galatians 3, verse 28, we, whether um, we're black or white or Latino or from, from whatever continent, whatever our cultural background, whatever the color, color of our skin, we are all one in Christ, right? We are all equal before the cross of Christ. And um, I want to have a look at another quick clip now because, um, again, this is... Uh, another extraordinary moment um, for Fred Rogers. Now, Fred could have, t he could have taken out John 13 and tried to preach a message on that through television. But he did this. It's genius, right? And again, um, that may not seem so radical to you, but in the early 60s, that was radical. That was really radical. And to wash the feet of um, someone whom so many other people in the country were being racist against. Um, it, it's truly amazing. He's preaching. He's preaching. That's what he's doing. Okay, last one. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mr. Rogers always brought a bag of special items uh, to his show. And... Um, He'd say in his quiet way, I brought a mirror today. The mirror reflects who you really are. And Jesus often did the same thing. He would help people understand who they really are and what motivated them and encourage them to, to begin to think differently. In Matthew 22, Jesus said that the whole Bible could be boiled down to two things. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. After hearing this, a man in, in Luke 10 asked Jesus, um, who is my neighbor? Right? 
And the scripture says that he was trying to justify himself. In other words, he was trying to find a bit of a loophole. Maybe, maybe I can be neighborly to only those I, I agree with or, or who look like me, um, who, or who share my same values, right? But then Jesus goes on to teach um, him and all of us who our neighbor really is. And he recounts the story of the Good Samaritan. Right? I won't read it for you this morning, but the whole point of, of, of the story, of the parable, is that your neighbor is the person that you don't pick. The, 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 your neighbor is the person who doesn't look like you or vote like you or even think like you. Jesus taught us that we often um, want to overgeneralize or even over-spiritualize the term neighbor, and instead of just being neighborly to those that God you know, puts on our path each and every day. We, we, we want to say, well, we should be a neighbor to everyone. We want to make it so generalized that it almost means nothing anymore. And when we insist that we're neighbors to everyone, often we end up being neighbors with nobody. You notice that? Or, or we end up choosing our neighbors. Um, you know, the, the ones that we can kind of control or, or limit to, uh, in terms of our interactions with them or make sure that we have comfortable interactions. I mean, the people that live by us, yeah, they're our neighbors, um, but they aren't our real neighbors, right? I want to choose my own neighbor. And, and, and Fred Rogers, in, in this passage, Jesus is telling us, you know, you don't, you don't get to pick your neighbors. You don't get to pick and choose who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is the person that God places in front of you. And in fact, um, you know, the Greek word here, uh, plesion, means simply a person who lives close beside others. One in, in near or close proximity. It means the people that, that live next to you, right? And, and Mr. Rogers got it right in his song, when the line said, since we're together, we might as well say, won't you be my neighbor? And it made such a strong statement because what people actually heard when he said it was, I, I want to be your neighbor. No matter who you are, no matter what you're, where you're from, I want to be your neighbor. I want to be your neighbor and even if I don't know what the color of your skin is, I want to be your neighbor even if I don't know if, if you're in a wheelchair or not. I want to be your neighbor if, if and I don't care if you're able to read or talk or, or live in an apartment or a mansion. I don't care. I want to be your neighbor. And I believe this is the message that Jesus tried to convey to his followers. Be a neighbor to those around you. Love them as much as you love themselves. Make them family. Mother Teresa once said, how can you love God whom you do not see if you do not love your neighbor whom you see, whom you touch, with whom you live? Maybe you are saying, I don't love them because I have seen them. Pastor Bruce, you don't know my neighbors. I mean, they're a mess. But now listen, Jesus didn't say, fix your neighbor. He said, love them. He didn't say that you have to agree with everything that they say or do. He said you have to love them. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you that you have to have a Bible study with them or, or even necessarily invite them to church. He says love them. Just love people. Be nice. Be a neighbor. And, and that goes such a long way in understanding what it means to actually 
live out what Jesus invited us to do. Listen, Fred Rogers wasn't Jesus, but he lived the life, the kind of life that Jesus taught us to live. He lived as if what Jesus said was true, as if love and grace and forgiveness were really things that could change the trajectory of someone's life, as if every single person in the world was made in the image of God and mattered. And he changed the world. What if, friends, we did the same? What if we took what Jesus taught about love and neighborliness, about honesty and truthfulness, what if we took those to heart and then just simply did those things in a loving, simple, quiet way? What if we just followed Jesus in whatever way he'd lead us? I think if we did that, we'd be able to build quite a community. And I think in following Jesus, it would be a beautiful day in our neighborhood. Let's pray. Father, um, the lessons we are learning today are are so simple in some ways. And in some ways, we're tempted to think we should become more theological. But oftentimes, Father, it's the very, very simple things about our faith that we don't do. Whether it's loving someone or, or just being a neighbor or, or just uh, in very simple ways choosing to, to follow you and what you said, just simply listening to what the Bible says and doing it in our lives. Father, we can so often overcomplicate these things. Thank you for a reminder this morning that, that you want to declare to each and every one of us that you love us and you want to invite us to go out and love others in the same way, to follow you in changing the world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.